your co-host Rebecca. And I'm your co-host Rach. And welcome to a very special episode of Ember Island Sayers. This week we are going to be closing book two. I can't believe it, we're already at the end. (laughs) I know, I know. It seems like only yesterday we were watching, you know, Katara free Aang from an iceberg. (laughs) Yes. And yet it feels like a hundred years at the same time. <laughs> yes, yes. It's it's pretty cool to have gotten to this kind of it's not really a halfway point, I guess it's like a two thirds, right? Point that we've reached. It's the Empire Strikes Back, like I kept saying last episode. Yeah. All that depressing stuff. We had to get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And hopefully uh things will start to look a little better now. I think we have to build up there first, right? Yeah, yeah. I think overall the tone is a little bit lighter in book three, but at the same time it has some of the darkest episodes in the series, so kind of interesting. Very cool. So we have a bunch of things to do <laughs> for this episode. Yeah, I think I have a feeling this is going to be quite a bit longer than book one closing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think so. Well, it was really nice because we actually did get quite a few emails and questions, which was really kind. So thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we have lots of different things. So I think we'll just get into it, shall we? All right, let's do it. So the first thing we wanted to open up with was a very exciting thing that happened. Um, So back in January, I guess it was, uh, Rach and I both attended the cast reunion for Avatar The Last Airbender, which was online. And during that reunion, they were selling audio messages and video messages and autographs and a bunch (laughs) of things from various different cast members. Unfortunately, nothing from uh, Zach, who played Aang. You know I would have dropped some coin if that was the case. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. But unfortunately, he was not selling anything. But... I decided, kind of at the last minute, that uh, I would actually really like an audio message from Jenny Kwan, who plays Suki. And she's the most precious person ever, just saying. (laughs) She is so, so sweet. The message came through last week. I've already sent it to Rach, and she's listened to it as well. And we are going to insert it here for you guys now. Hey Rebecca, Jenny Kwan here. How are you? I hope this message finds you well. I want to say, first of all, thank you so much for attending the ATLA cast reunion. We had a blast getting together, so I hope that you had a blast being part of the whole reunion. It was just amazing to be with everybody who loves Avatar, so my hope is you had a good time as well. And I hear that you were introduced to the show via your best friend. Thank you, best friend. That is so awesome. And that you guys did weekly podcasts. Oh, my gosh. That just really warms my heart, Rebecca. Um, The fact that you loved Suki the minute she came on screen. You know, when I first viewed the show, I got chills because I did not know what Suki was going to look like when I voiced her at first. You know, it was just reading the lines. And then when I saw her, like, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. So thank you so much. Um, 
it means a lot to me that you just really adored her from the start. And I think her and Sokka are pretty cute, too. <laughs> They're funny together. And she just, Suki just lets him get away with, with his Sokka-isms because he's Sokka and he's just kind of goofy and means well, even though he sometimes can drive Suki crazy, but she just loves him nonetheless. So I just want to say thank you so much for watching the show. And I think Suki has a little message for you as well, Miss Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca, Suki here, your favorite Kyoshi warrior. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for being a true warrior. You are a strong woman, I can tell. Thank you for watching the show and adoring Sokka as well. That means a lot to me because he is pretty special. I have to give him that. But remember, you are a warrior and a girl too. From one warrior to the next, stay strong. Stay brave and stay kind, Rebecca. All right. Hope you have a good one. Talk to you later. Bye. So that was the message. It was so sweet, I thought. I've purchased a couple of cameo messages before, and none of them were as personal and as sweet as that one. And I love that she did Suki's voice, and Suki sent you a little message as well. <laughs> Me too. I wasn't expecting that. I was just expecting it to be her as like Jenny. But yeah, and then the way that she told me that I was a warrior like her, like I just want to play that forever on a list. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Whenever I feel down, I just want to listen to Suki telling me I'm a warrior. Heck yes. <laughs> but I thought it was funny that she said that uh, Suki kind of lets Sokka get away with being Sokka. <laughs> yes. I think she finds it endearing. Like, some of it is annoying, of course, but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, that's my man. He's a little weird, but I love him. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, like, you know, if it was something that, obviously, like, he was offending someone or something like that, she would absolutely call him oh, out yeah. because she does. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, most of it is, like, just his quirks that I think she just appreciates. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I thought that was really sweet. And yeah, thank you so much, Jenny. Yes, thank you, Jenny. That was adorable. <laughs> wholesome. <laughs> Extremely wholesome, yes. And I will cherish it very close to my heart. I want to try and like turn it into a, like, a ringtone or something. Aww. So we just wanted to share that with you guys. Yeah, so the next thing we wanted to do, well, I wanted to do really, <laughs> is ask <laughs> Rebecca just her general thoughts about this season and how it's going so far and like where you are with the characters and everything. I'm just curious to know. Sure, absolutely. So this season, what I really liked about it, first of all, was how much more it got into like the lore of the show. Mm-hmm. That's L-O-R-E. <laughs> oh no. This is kind of an inside joke. Lore sounds the same in a, in a British accent as law. So. <laughs> yes. Law and law. They're the same. Yeah, I just, I really appreciated that because I felt like it just made things so much richer you know, like to do with Bossing Say and to do with the library and just, you know, all these little cool pieces of the puzzle that I really enjoyed learning about. Um, that was probably my favorite thing about this season. I thought that it was 
a little bit rough of a season sometimes because there were some kind of stressful (laughs) moments for the characters. Definitely. (laughs) I think we'll talk about that in our ranking of the episodes because we actually have a very different ranking this time. And I feel like for me, a lot of it was like, I've seen this so many times and it still stresses me out. And so I ranked it a little bit lower because... I don't, like, really want to watch it again. (laughs) Yeah, whereas for me, there were a lot of episodes that I was like, this is a really good episode, Mm. but it makes me sad. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I couldn't quite put it in, like, the A category, but I still thought it was a really good episode. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, one thing that kind of stood out to me. I thought that um, the characters all had some depth added to them in this season. But at the same time, I think they were caught up with a lot of plot. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very plot-heavy season, I would say. Especially the latter half. Yes, absolutely. I think that that kind of has to be balanced out with devoting a lot of time to like character growth and stuff like that. But I really liked the introduction of the new characters. I thought that was a big highlight as well. And, you know, it's as you've said to me before, you know, once like May and Ty Lee get introduced, it's like they've been there the whole time. Right. Yeah. It's hard to even think about the fact that like in book one, they weren't there. Same with Toph, honestly. Yes, absolutely. And I thought all of them were introduced in a really good way and uh, in a way that really worked. Because sometimes you can introduce new characters into a show and it doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. But I think that for them it really did. And, you know, pretty much straight away I was interested in them and, you know, wanted to see how their journeys were going to pan out. And then, you know, we'll talk about this more in the ranking of the episodes. But the best episodes for me were the ones that had all the elements that I like the most about Avatar, that I've come to like the most about Avatar, which is character relationships and, you know, how these characters relate to each other. Humor. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's That's very important. That's a big thing for both of us, I think. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's definitely something that I enjoy. And, you know, a little bit of plot and like exploration of the the law really for me it's it's character relationships and humor i think you're really gonna like book three because it's very very character focused like obviously there has to be a lot going on with the plot because the eclipse is coming so (laughs) but the first half of the season especially i think is just exploring the characters and their relationships more. And book three is my personal favorite season, even though, like, objectively, I don't know if I could rank book two or book three over the other. Yeah, that's really interesting to to hear. I definitely think that this episode puts a lot of pieces into play that I'm looking forward to see how they pan out in the future. I think that's everything. Uh, I love pretty much the same characters that I (laughs) have loved since book one. Um, I loved Katara. I loved Sokka, obviously. Yeah, I wanted more Suki, but that's just my life. It'll it'll come. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I'm feeling. That's where I'm at. But we will talk more about it when we talk more about the episode rankings as well. Okay. 
So speaking of lore, (laughs) (laughs) yes, we talked a little bit about this in previous episodes, how we wanted to go into the Avatar lore archive. And these are snippets that were on the Nickelodeon website back in the day. (laughs) And we wanted to read from some of them about some of the characters and their backstories, just the ones that we found really fascinating. So without further ado, so the first one we picked out was about Gashwin, who, if you don't remember, is the sandbender who wants to put a muzzle on Appa. And he, I think, was kind of painted not very sympathetic, even though his dad was sympathetic in the show. But if you read his backstory, it kind of makes you feel for him a little bit. So <laughs> what they said was, since his mother, Yaldus, died of skin cancer, a common affliction in the sun-drenched Siwang Desert, Gashwin has been somewhat adrift emotionally. And I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> now I feel bad about calling him trash. It's nice that they put that uh, into the Avatar lore. It does make sense, I think, because what's clear about Gashwin is that he has fallen into the wrong crowd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Of people. And as you say, his dad seems like a pretty stand-up guy. It makes sense that he doesn't have his mother figure to guide him, and maybe that has something to do with the fact that he has ended up falling into this crowd. Yeah, and it's probably, like, put a strain on his relationship with his dad, and he's, like, lashing out because it's his only parental figure left, so. Yeah. Very, very sad, but I love that they give this backstory to even the most minute characters who only show up in a couple of episodes. Yeah, I hope that Gashwin maybe can find some peace eventually. (laughs) Yes, me too. (laughs) Still not cool what you did to Appa, though. Cool motive, still captured Appa. (laughs) Yes! The other person that we wanted to talk about is someone who actually, you know, is quite a major character. Well, he's not major, but, like, he's a bigger character than Gashwin. But the Avatar Law Archive had some information that we didn't really have before. Um, and this is Hakoda, Rachel's husband. <laughs> I love how you just introduce him as that every single time now. <laughs> I have to. I'm legally obligated to do so. Oh, okay. Here's what it says about Hakoda. Hakoda recognized Katara's waterbending abilities when she was young and encouraged her to develop them. He even traveled around the South Pole looking for a waterbender to train his daughter, but could not find one. Hakoda knows that Katara's waterbending is one of the keys to rebuilding their tribe. Oh, my heart. (laughs) I know. (laughs) When I read that, I was like, oh my god, he really is the best dad. He's great. He's wonderful. It means so much that, you know, he appreciated her talents and we have even seen that like in the north pole her talent for waterbending was disregarded so i think it means so much that he really valued that and you can tell that katara values that too 
such a good, encouraging father to both his children, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to see how encouraging he was of Sokka when Sokka showed up in uh, the end of season two. Yeah, I think he is a great example of, like, nurturing both your children and their strengths, and he doesn't play favorites. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, I think that, you know, he has been away for a long time, which probably has put a strain somewhat on his relationship between him and his kids, but they both still love him to pieces. Right, yeah. And I think the website talked a little bit more about how he really didn't want to go away to war, but he sort of felt like he had no other choice. And in the long run, he felt like, okay, this is the best decision I need to make for my family's safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, what a good dad. <laughs> we stand a code on this podcast. <laughs> 100% we stand. So, yeah, thanks, Hakoda. There are a lot of bad dads in this show, so thanks for not being a bad dad. (laughs) So we have another character, one last character, that I found a little bit of information on that I thought was very interesting, and this is Guru Patik, who, you know, I love to death. (laughs) So this is what it had to say about Guru Patik. Because Guru Patik is connected to all the energy in the universe, he knew the Avatar had returned when Aang emerged from the iceberg in an explosion of cosmic energy. So I thought this was interesting because (laughs) I know we discussed in, I think it was the Appa's Last Days episode, we were like, how long has Guru Patik been sitting there waiting for Aang? (laughs) So that gives you the answer. He's been sitting there since... The iceberg exploded. (laughs) Yeah, that is interesting. I also think the being connected to all the energy in the universe is interesting because it reminds me of um, Hugh in the Swamp episode. Mm, Yeah, totally. And talking about how everything is connected. I think there are a lot of parallels between those two characters, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I just thought it would be really nice to talk about this uh, because, you know, there are just little details that make things a little richer for everyone. And if you do want to check these out, the website is atla-lore-archive.tumblr.com. Yeah, it's really fun to go through. And they have snippets about places in the Earth Kingdom as well. And of course, the other three nations, too. So it's just fun to go through that and look and see and reminisce on the old Nickelodeon webs. They're funny. I, I never saw the old Avatar Nickelodeon website, but um, the Animorphs TV show had a website <laughs> back in the day. And I remember it had, like, flash animations yes. on it and all this kind of stuff. Heck yeah. It was great. <laughs> I guess next we should probably move on to listener emails, but before we do, we do have a reminder, a very important reminder that we just wanted to share with everyone, because we failed to notice something in the last couple of episodes of book two, and then Rage had a realization recently, and I was like, oh my god, how did we miss this? (laughs) We had to say it. (laughs) We have to, we have to say it. So do you want to tell everyone what your realization was, Rage? Yeah. 
you know, Zuko had to go through this metamorphosis and emerge as a beautiful butterfly. But <laughs> before he did that, you know what was really the cause of that metamorphosis? Zuko finally drank his calming tea. <laughs> After spending so long telling his uncle that he did not want any calming tea, he in fact drank calming tea. <laughs> And it almost worked. Yeah, I think he needs some more. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone is listening and likes to do fan art and would like to do a fan art of Zuko consuming an entire bucket of tea, I would not be mad about that. All right, so speaking of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of questions, so we wanted to go through them. Do we want to start with an email that we have been promising to read out since Zuko alone? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, so Daniel, my brother, sent us a very long email, and I didn't really want to get into it then because I felt like Rebecca still hadn't had a total grasp of the whole season and Zuko's character in book two. And I think his email dealt a lot with that. So now we're going to unpack it a little bit, I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and we're not going to read the whole thing out because it was quite long. But uh, we will talk about the kind of main themes and we will read some bits of it out. But thank you for emailing us, Daniel. Maybe we should start then with the kind of points that we really liked um, which was Daniel kind of talking about how I really like this quote, which was Avatar doesn't shy away from showing how a person's behavior is a result of their conditioning and class interests. And unlike a lot of media in capitalist society, it doesn't flatten class contradictions among the people and between the people and their oppressors. Yeah, fully agree with that statement. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that Avatar does a really good job of showing the nuances, right, of this kind of imperialism that is going on within this society. Yeah, and like he said, it's, it doesn't flatten the class contradiction, so especially, I think, they do that a lot in Bossing Say, how we see the upper ring and how people are living there, and there's definitely kind of this lack of sympathy for those people like I don't feel sorry for them when they're sitting in their cushy palace sort of thing and mm -hmm. it shows the disparity between if you have money and how that affects your position in the war and if you don't mm -hmm. yeah and you know, as we said, this email was sent in the wake of Zuko alone, so what Daniel was talking about in a lot of it was uh, Zuko and how, you know, he comes into this town where he gets revealed to be who he is eventually, and as soon as that happens, everyone turns on him. But then you also have, in the episode, a little bit of complexity with the fact that there are Earth Kingdom soldiers in there who are also kind of causing trouble and they've kind of not allied with their oppressors but they are serving a similar function in that society yes yes absolutely 
So that's very interesting, I think. Daniel also had this point about, um, so he said, I kind of had a problem with saying that imperialism benefits no one, which is something that we said in that episode. And I think that it contradicts the dynamic that Avatar is showing us. Yes, Zuko and Azula are deeply traumatized, but the system works to move resources into the control of one class at the expense and labor of another class. So that's a social relationship that does benefit the oppressor class, regardless of, if not precisely because, they traumatize and groom the next generation of settlers. Yeah, so I think we both agree with some of this, but I do want to push back a little bit because I still stand by my statement that imperialism benefits no one because I do think there are different types of benefiting. Like you can benefit economically and socially in a society, but personally you could be filled with trauma and turmoil. And I do think we see that with Suko and Azula, but even with Ozai, I feel like he lives this life where, sure, he's like the worst person in the world. <laughs> like, let's <laughs> let's not beat around the bush. He is, but him being an imperialist, he's devoid of love. He's devoid of joy, and he's devoid of true friendship. And I think. Even if he's benefiting in this way where he has power, what kind of life is that, you know? Yeah, I mean, we don't get to see much of his relationship with Ursa, but it's clear that they don't have, like, a loving, supportive relationship Mm -hmm. with each other. And he doesn't have that with his kids either, you know? Yeah, there are different ways that you can benefit and that's why you know there's that kind of cliche like oh money doesn't buy happiness and I think recently a lot of people have pushed back against that because it's clear that money does buy things that can make you happy right (laughs) the biggest one is that money gives you the chance to you know spend time with those people right that you love Mm -hmm. but I think where that phrase can actually be true is that you can't buy people's love and you can't buy the feelings that you know Aang has towards Katara for example that kind of thing really is you know something that um doesn't come from wealth doesn't come from material wealth right Mm -hmm. so I I agree with you in that sense about Ozai that there are certain things that he will never experience as a person and you know that's that's kind of sad in itself and I think that it's a little different also with Zuko and Azula because they're children I think that's a big difference and something that I had talked about with you uh off air was I had said that it reminded me of like children in Hollywood this has happened more recently with uh children in Hollywood but like I'm even thinking back to like Judy Garland and Shirley Temple and people like that who grew up you know probably with a lot more money and um, a lot more diversity of experience than most children. Like, I'm sure they got to travel more than most children and got to meet, you know, all these people. And that's obviously a big benefit. But they were also abused while they were within that system. These things kind of can go hand in hand with each other. Um, 
and it is possible for um, it to be true that imperialism benefits no one in a more abstract sense, I think. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, that doesn't mean we have to, like, hold hands with oppressors and, like, sing kumbaya. <laughs> no, no, yeah, and I don't feel bad for Ozai, right, I just want to say. Right, exactly. It, that doesn't mean we have to lend him any sympathy or forgive him or whatever, but at the same time, it's like, I do kind of pity him. Like, that's a very pitiful life to mm-hmm. live, and I would rather have my friendship and my joy at the end of the day than have like all this power and I don't know Daniel's gonna hate me for saying this but (laughs) (laughs) there's this song (laughs) it's actually a Christian song but I like some of the themes in it and it's by Toby Mac and he sings I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul and I think that's a huge thing like if you're in this oppressor position I feel like anybody who becomes like a billionaire becomes a dictator they ultimately lose their soul and okay well maybe they're benefiting in some ways but in other ways it's like the system put into place is not a good system and it really affects everybody in some kind of negative way at the end of the day is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I feel like that too. And, you know, I don't even really believe in the concept of like a Christian, I don't know. Divinity. Soul. Yeah, afterlife. Right. <laughs> um, that kind of uh, thing. But I still think that, I think there is a component of people that is their emotional, and you could even call it spiritual health, mm-hmm. that is very much dependent on their relationships with other people. Yeah, and I think the next season does a really good job of kind of showing this to us from Azula's perspective in real time. So that's something to look out for. It's It'll be an interesting ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that does sound interesting. Yeah, that was deep. <laughs> <laughs> but I think most of Daniel's email we do agree with, and there was just one more part of it that I thought was really good which was he said um over and over i think atla does a great job of showing how people and social systems don't act according to their morality but rather according to their social roles and interests and this problem of morality and necessity is something ang grapples with in really cool ways going forward can't wait (laughs) yeah (laughs) i'm very much looking forward to uh learning more about that and i think we've already seen a little bit of that right with ang kind of grappling with the spiritual um, and this sort of you know why would i choose cosmic energy over katara (laughs) right right yeah uh that's that's gonna be cool i think going forward yeah then we got some more (laughs) lighthearted questions from daniel these were in the discord i wasn't sure how serious you were about them daniel but they're going in here yeah we're gonna answer them anyway we need balance going on in this podcast you know we do we do so the first question i'm gonna ask you because i feel like you're the most i'm an expert on both of these things exactly exactly (laughs) and the question is would ang like taco bell what do you think right a resounding yes (laughs) because I have, I have a, you know, a thesis for this. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Taco Bell is one of the only fast food restaurants that offers vegetarian options. So Aang would be able to go there and get what he wanted with his friends who could still have, you know, meat like Sokka. (laughs) (laughs) We know Sokka likes meat. Yes. Well, I'm going to take your word for it because uh, I have never been to a Taco Bell. So (laughs) I really can't judge. I've been to Taco Bell too much. So (laughs) again, balance. That's what we are in this podcast. We balance each other out. Yes. To Ian Law. His second question is, would Toph be a better bender with more toes? I was thinking about this and I think... Maybe the theory is that, like, she would have more surface area to, like, feel with. Mm. Interesting. (laughs) But when you have more toes, I feel like that is not normal. And do they have the same feeling that your other toes have? Or are they just, like, (laughs) an appendage sticking off that is useless? I don't know enough about extra toes you're not a podiatrist i've heard of like people born with extra fingers and stuff i assume there are people who are born with extra toes but i don't know if their sensation is the same in all of the toes also (laughs) wouldn't Toph just be able to get the same effect by like putting her hands on the ground as well yeah i'm gonna say you know extra toes she doesn't need them no i think she's good as she is (laughs) okay Last last question. I feel like I should ask this because it's about it's about you. All right. Yeah, yeah. Will Rebecca survive Suki getting even more badass in season three? Well, <laughs> the short answer is no. <laughs> but the longer answer is I do know a little bit about how much more badass she gets in season three because I have spoiled myself by watching soccer and suki scenes now i don't know if she has other scenes that are just her on her own that are extremely badass but her scenes with soccer that are badass i have seen um and i'm still here so (laughs) i think i'll be okay i don't know if i will survive all the feelings that i'm gonna get once she comes back yeah and you're gonna be watching it in context too so i know i know yeah that's gonna be really exciting (laughs) Because I had many feelings just watching the little clips. So I'm very excited to watch it in context. Thanks, Daniel. (laughs) Thank you very much, Daniel. And I feel like those questions were like a preview of the questions that we have coming up. Yep. Our next round of questions is from the lovely Brittany, who we've spoken about a lot on this podcast because she is probably one of our most interactive audience (laughs) members. Yes, yes. Um, So I'll go first since you did the last question. Uh, Brittany says, here are some fun questions that you guys can answer on the show or just alone in your bedrooms. That's actually like, those two things are the same. (laughs) Simultaneously. (laughs) Although I have Lucky here, so I'm technically not completely alone. Yeah, I have Mira. (laughs) Um, So first question, is Toph really the greatest earthbender of all time? Yes. (laughs) Yes, obviously. She's a metal bender. Come on. She invented it, so. Number two, does onion and banana juice cure all diseases? No. No. <laughs> I don't think so. 
I mean, it seems to have some benefits. Like we said on a previous episode, I think onions and bananas are quite beneficial separately. So together they probably have some benefits, but I don't think they would cure all diseases, unfortunately. No, if that was the truth, we'd all be drinking it to get rid of COVID. Uh, I would drink onion and banana juice to get rid of I COVID. would too. The only circumstance I would drink it. <laughs> Question number three. Would you choose cosmic energy or the love of your life? Well, I don't really have a love of my life, but... <laughs> You're the platonic love of my life, and I would choose you over cosmic energy, so. Likewise, I was thinking the same thing. Aww. <laughs> Four. If you were in the swamp, what would you see? I don't know. I've been quite lucky in my life that I actually haven't really lost that many people. I guess I would probably see my grandma, because I lost her in 2019. Oh, that's so sweet. I would see my dog, Maisie. Aw, Maisie. I remember seeing pictures of Maisie. She was a sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, this, this is also a sad question, which also I think may require some research, actually. In the Avatar Day episode, what punishment would you choose? Can't be community service. What options do we have? This is what I want to know. Okay, here are the punishments. Bed of nails. Whipping post. Boiled in oil. We knew that one. Eaten by a shark razor pit mauled by a platypus bear or burned alive oh my gosh (laughs) these are awful i guess i would choose the bed of nails because isn't that like an acupuncture thing i mean as long as nobody's like stepping on you (laughs) well aren't there some people who like can sit on a bed of nails and like not injure themselves or something yeah yeah that's a thing I think I would go for mold by platypus bear because what I could do is I could like make friends with the platypus bear (laughs) and then I'd be fine. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Number six. Who's the best Earth Kingdom himbo? It's obviously Hot Torch Guy. See, I'm going to go with Hot Bartender. But Hot Torch Guy was the OG. Okay, but, you know, rapid fire. We... No time to debate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> All right, then uh, let me ask, what would your Earth Rumble 6 fighting name be, Rach? I have no idea. I'm not an Earthbender. Yeah, I don't know. I think yours would have something to do with mermaids, maybe. Oh, <laughs> That's like water bending. <laughs> you could be the Badger Mole. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. Okay. <laughs> the badger mole i'm the root chakra (laughs) (laughs) that is also good what pig hybrid would you want as a pet what pig hybrids are there you can just make anything up (laughs) okay i want a pig hybrid with a flying unicorn oh that's kind of like the bay fong yeah that's what i was thinking i like it uh, and it would be very colorful and pretty. I'd get a pig cat. Ooh, that's cute. All right, question number nine. Delectable tea or deadly poison? Uh, obviously delectable tea. <laughs> what kind of question is this? It's a Brittany question. <laughs> okay. What nickname would Toph call you? 
Something insulting, probably. <laughs> Something insulting to do with my Britishness. Oh my gosh. Posh pants. <laughs> Posh pants, yeah, yeah. Prissy pants or posh pants, definitely something like that, I feel like. Even though she's, like, super rich, so it doesn't really make sense, but... Yeah, it's just tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Twinkle Toes? Bunion feet, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. All right, next question. Where would you like to have your mini vacation? Ooh. One of the air temples. Is this... Only in the Earth Kingdom? No, we can go anywhere. Let's go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Then I want to go to the North Pole again, because I really liked it there. Yeah, heck yes. If you were stranded in the desert and could only pick one of the gangs to be with you, who would you choose? This is the easiest question. Clearly Katara. I would pick Appa. So take that! (laughs) Okay, fair, fair. <laughs> but consider, if you had to pick one of the like people in the gang, Katara would be the best one, because she's the only one who could help you actually get out. I think Aang, if he wasn't so angry, he'd be good, but Aang on a good mental health day. Because <laughs> he has his glider, you know. That's true, that's true, yeah. And as much as I love Sokka, I would not pick him. You would die. <laughs> we would both die. Does Bosco really have great animal sense is the next question. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. He sucks. We love him, but think fast. <laughs> Most memorable moment of the book. Go. Suki! <laughs> Aww. Um, also the library. I feel like that was a big episode that like really sticks in my mind. I think for me it's always going to be love is a form of energy. I just think that scene is really beautiful. That is a really pretty scene. Yeah. And I can understand why you would like that. Next question is, where would you want to live in the Earth Kingdom? Actually, if that one village that Jet tried to flood, (laughs) if Jet wasn't there terrorizing it, that was a very beautiful place to live. Yeah, that's a good one. I hadn't thought about that. That's like way back in book one. Yes. <laughs> Where Jet lived was nice too. Yeah. Like up in the canopies and stuff. I just don't know that I'd want to live with Jet, but. <laughs> yeah, same, same. Is that your answer too? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I was trying to think about it, and I think that also, like, where Toph lived seemed mm. like it was okay. Yeah. That was a cool little city. That part seemed nice. Just anywhere that's, like, not the desert. Right. <laughs> or bossing say. say, yeah. <laughs> Would you rather kiss your crush or die? It's a compliment. <laughs> what about both? I feel like, yeah, if I had the opportunity to kiss one of my celebrity crushes, I probably would die, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's what I was thinking about. Like, if I ever kissed, I don't know. Chris Evans. Chris Evans. <laughs> Natalie Dormer rubbed my arm and I almost passed out, so. <laughs> She's not kidding. That is a thing that happens. Um, so, uh, <laughs> we met Natalie Dormer together and she did rub Rachel's arm because Rachel's special. Like I'm saying, I would, I would do both. I would do both too. Yeah, both is good. If I ever kissed Chris Evans, I probably would just die. 
If you could have dinner with any ATLA character, who would it be and why? I feel like my answer is so obvious, but Aang. <laughs> but if I had to like be objective, I would want Iroh to cook me dinner. Ooh. That would be awesome. Because I don't know that Aang's like the best cook ever. <laughs> no, I mean, he's probably pretty good at vegetarian stuff. Yeah, but... yeah. But yeah, Iroh would definitely cook the best food. But I would have to say Suki. <laughs> but yeah, I would like to have dinner with Suki because I feel like it would be nice to get to know more about her because we don't know much about her in the show. I feel like it would be cool to just like chat with her and like ask her about growing up on Kyoshi Island and that kind of stuff. You didn't say why you would like to have dinner with Aang. It's obvious. I don't need to explain it. <laughs> Okay. Who would have better stories, Momo or Appa? Momo. I agree. He's more chaotic. Exactly, the chaotic energy. <laughs> Next question. What meal from the show are you dying to try? Well, I've tried Fire Flakes. 10 out of 10. Delicious. <laughs> yes, you did make those recently, didn't you? Yes, they were very good. Highly recommend. Honestly, that juke looked really, really good. Like, I... I really want to try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's that would be high up on the list for me too. But I think for me, the thing I'd most want to try is, um, I think it was in like one of the very early episodes, Iroh talked about having duck. Oh, the roast duck, yeah. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, I think actually for me, I want that egg custard. <laughs> the temptation of the egg custard. Yeah, it's it's calling to me. 20, last question. Why is this podcast the best podcast ever? Because of our listeners. Aww. Love it. And then I like that she said, uh, that is all. Thank you for all that you both do. Stay flaming. I will eventually find out what that means. Actually, I will find out what that means soon, right? Very soon. Two episodes from now. Very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. So the next person... We have a question from is Katie, who has been a guest star on the podcast. All right, she says. <laughs> I'm already bracing myself for the reactions to this question and your answers. Who is the better firebender, Azula or Iroh? It's a heavily debated subject in the fandom, and I'm always caught in the middle there because neither of them are my favorite, so there isn't even a bias there. My heart says Azula, but my head says Iroh. I'm hoping you both have better answers for this than me. LOL. <laughs> so this is interesting. This is not something I'd ever stop to think about. Probably because I'm not really one of those people who's like, who would win in the fight? Yeah, I never think about that either. <laughs> I'm like, why are they fighting? <laughs> exactly. Why are they fighting? Although in this case, I could actually see why they'd be Yeah, fighting. yeah. I, so my inclination was, it's kind of like a cop-out answer, I think, but I think they're both good in different ways, mm -hmm. because Iroh obviously has a lot more experience than Azula, and I think that he, you know, over the years, he has taken into account other styles of bending, like we saw in um, Bitter Work. So he's done a lot of studying, and you know, just had a lot of practice. So I think he would probably be a better firebender because of, you know, his experience. But at the same time, Azula 
is a prodigy and she, you know, has that raw talent that I don't know if Iroh necessarily was born with that talent the way that she was. I don't know. My initial thought is that if the question is who is the better firebender, I think they're both good in different ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think for me, it comes down to the fact that even though Azula is technically a perfect firebender, that doesn't mean she has the innovation and the creativity that Iroh has. And, like, you know, he invented that dragon move. And I just think that he has a better grasp of fire as an element not to say that Azula has a bad grasp at all, but it's it's different, like you said. Like, hers is very calculated and cold-blooded, and she kind of removes her emotions in order to bend in this perfect way, whereas Iroh, I think a lot of it is resting on his emotions. I just think he's better because of what you said, of how he is a more holistic person and how he approaches the element because he realizes like the the whole thing about the illusion of separation and he knows that taking from other bending styles will benefit him. So my answer is Iroh. <laughs> yeah, I think on balance Iroh is probably the better firebender. Again, it depends on what your definition is of better firebender. Is it like the firebender who can take out the most amount of people in the shortest <laughs> amount of time? Um, because that's probably Azula. <laughs> Although Iroh also could probably take out quite a lot of people with his like dragon breath. But, you know, the other thing about Iroh getting older too is that it might be that he might be a little slower because of his age. So his age, I think, can both advantage him and disadvantage him. Define better firebender. <laughs> I guess if they were good to go up against each other, who would win? Yeah, I think Iroh would probably outsmart Azula, in part because she doesn't think much of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we even saw them kind of go up against each other in the first episode of book two and you know he knows how to redirect her lightning which is not something that a lot of firebenders can do Mm -hmm. that's true yeah so i i think you're probably right iroh probably has the edge there cool hopefully nobody comes for us yeah i hope you like that answer katie and i hope that you know the discourse on twitter isn't too bad (laughs) so that's what we have for emails and questions thank you all again for sending those in yeah i guess next we should go to our kind of rounding off the season with talking about our episode rankings and uh and then we're going to talk about mvp statistics and then we're going to do our drabbles which i'm very excited about yeah me too (laughs) so let's talk about season two episode rankings first of all how do we do this (laughs) (laughs) it's hard because they're so different this time they really are yeah so i guess we should say that we did the same as we did last time which is we have a b c d and f and we just took the episodes from book two put them into the categories that we thought suited them best and again i think we should do a disclaimer of like 
just because it's in the C category doesn't mean that's like a C episode, I guess, if that makes sense. It's just kind of how we had to rank them. And yeah, you know, if your favorite episode is one that we've put in like a lower category, then that doesn't mean that your favorite episode is like invalid or anything like that. Right. <laughs> it's very personal and extremely subjective. And as you'll see by the differences between our rankings too. So I guess, first of all, we should say that neither of us have anything in F. Right. Or D. <laughs> or D. Last time we had a couple of episodes, I think, in D. Yeah, I think one of them for both of us was The Great Divide. And I kind of used that a little bit as a scale of like, none of the episodes in book two were on the same level as The Great Divide. So I'm not going to put any of them in category D. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I felt as well. I was like, none of these are really D episodes. C is our, like, baseline category, I think. I guess we'll start with, there is one that we both have in C. That's Return to Omashu. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that one, um, I personally put it in C because even though it has a lot of good elements in it, and it has, of course, the introduction of Tai Li and Mei, which is kind of cool, it doesn't stand out for me as an episode, particularly. Yeah, yeah. I think there was just, like, so much going on, too. The plot was kind of, like, whoa, I can't get my bearings straight. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, it is a little weird. It's the Momo kidnapping the baby. and But like you said, the, it still has really great moments to it, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then I have two in C that, for you, were B episodes. And these are uh, the Avatar State, the first episode, and Zuko alone. <laughs> Sorry, please don't hate me, <laughs> Katie. No, but I get it. Like, I know why you put both of those where you did. So. Yeah, they are just, to me, they're just not episodes about things that I'm super interested in. So Zuko alone is a Zuko-focused episode, and it's, you know, a solid episode, but, like, Zuko isn't my favorite character. And for um, the Avatar State, I think this kind of plays into where I put the finale episodes too. I'm not that interested in the Avatar State as a concept. Sure. This is something that I've discovered about myself. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think it's just because like I feel like it disconnects Aang from himself. And I think he's more interesting as himself than he is in the Avatar State. Oh yeah, I agree with that. I've said this before, like a lot of... Aang merch is him in the Avatar state and I'm like to me that's really not even Aang yeah especially because like he didn't even learn how to willfully go into the Avatar state until the finale of book two so and he himself like hates who he is when he loses control right that was in his chakra um kind of opening he was showing that he feared that or that he felt guilty about that so it's clear that it's not his favorite thing right and then you have a few episodes that you put in c that i put in b yeah quite a few actually most of the episodes are in the c category for me and i touched on this before but i really think it's just because i've seen them so many times and a lot of them are like very stressful or emotional for me and part of me is like I don't really want to watch that again <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah 
So those would probably be The Chase, The Drill, Tales of Bossing Say, and Office Lost Days. Those are the ones that like really drain me emotionally. <laughs> yeah, and I can understand that. Um, I put those in B. Because for me, they were all really solid episodes, but they weren't, like, up there with my favorite, favorite episodes. Right. So that's why they ended up in that kind of middle category. But I thought they were all really good. Like, there were some things that I really enjoyed about all of them. Avatar Day gets it to be for me just for Kiyoshi. <laughs> that's totally valid. Yeah, that was a, that's in my C category. Uh, the Swamp, as well, I put in there. And people are probably going to find this controversial but i also put the blind bandit and see which i put in a actually so that was a big discrepancy and honestly i was kind of on the fence about a and b for the blind bandit but i do think it's such a good introduction to Toph. yeah it is and i was thinking back to it and i was like oh i really enjoyed that episode and like i really enjoyed talking to you about it as well so it really stuck with me, and I think that's why I ended up putting it in A, because, like, when I was thinking back to it, I was like, oh, fun memories. <laughs> that's the only one that um, you put in C that I put in A, I think. So then we have a bunch that uh, we both put in B as well. Mm -hmm. You talked about um, earlier, you put Zuko alone and Avatar State in B. Mm -hmm. But then we both put The Desert, City of Walls and Secrets, The Earth King, and Bitter Work in B. You actually convinced me to move Bitter Work up to B because it was in C. For <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Obviously, I enjoy Toph a lot as a character, but she's not my favorite. And so kind of episodes that are more focused on her, I'm not a huge fan of. I will just admit that. <laughs> It's my personal bias. <laughs> totally fair. It's me with Zuko as mm, well. Yeah. You know, but I think Bitter Work is fun because I think it's a good Aang episode because I, I like him like kind of facing up to his fears in that episode. Um, and then I think it also has some really good stuff like Fufu Cuddly Poops. <laughs> <laughs> and the Iroh stuff is really good. Yeah, the Iroh stuff is great. I think that's really what convinced me to move it up to be is that whole him teaching Zuko about the connection of the elements like that's just so crucial to the whole show so mm -hmm. yeah and for the others like the desert and um uh City of Wolves and Secrets and the Earth King they were just all episodes that as I said before I just really enjoyed but not quite as much as the ones that I put yeah, in yeah exactly let's go to our A's then so <laughs> the one we have in common, or one of the ones that we have in common, is The Cave of Two Lovers. It's just so good. Just so much serotonin. It's like the fortune teller in the first book, you know? Yeah, you put it on and you just feel happy, uh, even though like it's kind of stressful for Sokka. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as I already mentioned, I put The Blind Bandit in there. I also put The Library in there, which you put in B. Yeah, kind of love that for you. Yeah, I kind of surprised myself a little bit with that pick because it just, like, it stood out to me when I was thinking back to the episodes and, like, I remembered covering it and it just has so many different things going on all at once that I think I just really enjoyed. That one, for me, is just, like, it's just so solid. And, you know, that was my first ever episode of the show, so I think 
in some ways it was a really great way to start the show off (laughs) yeah yeah i agree and then we both have of course the serpent's pass what a great episode couldn't go anywhere else (laughs) no that episode is the perfect example of like everything i like about the show and then the other one we had in common was like lao guy right yeah which i think was um just a really i mean that's quite a sad episode but it's just really strong all the way Mm -hmm. through yeah super super interesting plot line and the way it was animated too i think was pretty stunning Yes, yes. And that one's the one that won an award, I think, for animation. So Deservedly so. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, and then I think we should talk about the difference that we have for the last two episodes. Yeah, so I put the Guru and the Crossroads of Destiny in tier A. Mm -hmm. And you put it in B. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I was kind of a little bit on the fence about this, but for me, I think it was ultimately, I was comparing it to last season. Mm -hmm. And I think I liked last season's finale more. And I think that's for a number of reasons, but I think I was a little bit more emotionally engaged with the finale last season. Like I was with the finale of book two, but it didn't hit me as much as book one. And I don't know why that is. We've talked about before that, like, people have different reactions to things. That was ultimately behind my decision. And I think that they're both really good episodes. That's why I put them in B. But they just didn't have that extra thing for me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know how I feel about Aang, so. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. And I think for both of those two, like, Unfortunately, you were a little bit spoiled on the fact that Aang died, and mm. I can viscerally remember my first reaction to that when I watched it the first time, and just the amount of shock that I felt when that happened. Not to be punny, but... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, like, that just stands out to me so much, because I can remember my initial emotions to those episodes and it's a really big twist if you kind of don't know what's coming Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I think that's probably the case that if I hadn't known and also watching that as a kid I think that would have had a bigger impact because like at this point I've watched Game of Thrones like I've seen characters die (laughs) that's true (laughs) you're desensitized I am a little bit desensitized to characters dying. That also might have had an impact. Also, I felt like, I don't know, I felt like the um, ending of book one was a little bit more hopeful, too, which I think maybe is another reason why I prefer it. Not a whole lot of hope coming out of book two. (laughs) No, unfortunately not. Both really good episodes. There's a lot in there. We certainly spent, like, what was it, nearly two hours unpacking the guru. Right. But yeah, it's just like a personal preference at the end of the day. That's our wrap up for book two. Moving on to our MVP statistics. (laughs) Drum roll, please. (laughs) I keep track of these. Uh, Rach does not. So I'm going to do what I did last time, which is ask her to try and guess 
the <laughs> the rankings. Um, we're going to go from the bottom, and I'm not going to get you to guess the bottom because it's there's a lot of people. But so we only went up to fourth place this time. Last time we went up to I think fifth, but this time we only went up to fourth. And we have one, two, three, four, seven people in fourth place. Oh my gosh! Because <laughs> they all have one vote each. Jet. And also Appa, Suki got one for the Serpent's Pass, Zuko for Zuko Alone, Kiyoshi <laughs> for Avatar Day, Hugh for uh, the Swamp, and the Badger Moles for A Cave of Two Lovers, because I was feeling really weird that day, and I was like, <laughs> you know what, I think I want to make the Badger Moles my MVP. <laughs> so those are all the fourth place people. For third place, actually, for third place and second place, we have a tie between two people. So do you want to guess who third place was, the tie? I'm going to guess Iroh is one of them. You are correct. And then I'm going to guess Sokka is the other one. Yes, good job. Good job. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so Sokka and Ira both got five votes each. Interesting combo, but they did actually meet up with each other in the finale. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, second place, do you want to guess who got second place tied. I will say they both have seven votes each. I don't know if it's Toph or if Toph is in first place. Oh, interesting. I'm going to guess Toph and Aang? Wow, you're good. Ooh! <laughs> you're very good, yes. Um, Aang and Toph got seven votes each. They are in second place together. Uh, you know, she was training him, so it worked out. <laughs> and they're also, like, pretty opposite to each other, so that's kind of funny. Um, which means that first place is... Katara! <laughs> Yay! She got eight, so she just squeaked in <laughs> first place. Yeah, maybe if Aang wasn't being a doofus in the City of Walls in secret. Yeah, well, you know, he was having a rough time. <laughs> He was having a fun time with Sokka, so that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, in City of Wolves and Secrets, I was thinking like before then with Appa, he was having a rough time. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, that, that was fun. Katara won this season. So I also did uh, a tally for all seasons so far. And I did just want to mention this kind of briefly. It is probably what you expect. So in eighth place, we have... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people who all have one vote each. Um, so we have those. Seventh place, we have four people who have two votes. And these are Suki, Zuko, Yue, and Momo. Uh, and then sixth place, just above Momo, is Appa with three. And then fifth place is Iroh with five. Fourth place is Toph with seven overall. Good job, Toph. You know, you weren't even in the first season. You're still in fourth place. <laughs> I know, yeah. And she's got like seven MVP titles just from season two. So that's pretty cool. I will say that when we made the gang MVPs, I just added one point to each of them. So that's kind of how I did it. And then third place is Sokka with 11. Second place is Katara with 18. And then first place is Aang with 19. Yeah, neck and neck there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. And, you know, Aang got first place in season one, and she got first place in season two. I think the ideal scenario would be if they tied at the end of everything. Yes. <laughs> we'll see if that works out. 
Okay, so those are our MVP statistics. And we are still going to do MVPs next season, obviously. Yeah, I don't think we're going to change any of our segments in the next season. No, we're pretty happy with Soccer's Poetry Society and um, our Ember Island playlist. We'll make a new playlist, though, for book three. But uh, yeah, we were pretty happy with those segments, and I feel like people enjoyed them too. So I think it's worth saying, actually, that we put our poems from Soccer's Poetry Society on Archive of Our Own. Yeah, we have a link for that on Twitter. Yeah, we hope that you have been enjoying the poems as much as we have been enjoying writing them. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of writing... (laughs) Ooh, it's the best time of the podcast. Save the best for last. (laughs) Absolutely. This is the part when we uh, read each other drabbles that we've written. I'm so excited. (laughs) Me too, me too. And our idea behind this was, um, well, I should said this in the last wrap-up episode but i stole this idea from the podcast thirst aid kid where they would write drabbles about their thirst object each uh, episode but our idea with these drabbles was to fill in gaps of places where you know the show maybe didn't show us something i think it's actually something i really like about this show is that it leaves so much up to us and kind of puts it into our hands as creators and gives us the opportunity to really have fun and explore some stuff that they didn't get the time to explore in the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for us who we love writing. So for us, that's just like delicious. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Delicious drabbles. So we should call them. Yeah. That's our segment. Delicious drabbles. (laughs) I'm writing it in the notes. There we go. (laughs) We've written Drabbles for book two. Mine is a little bit longer than book one, but that's okay. I think it's like about double book one's Drabble. But I think I went first last time. I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind going first this time. All right, I'll do it. (laughs) Yay! Okay, so... This drabble takes place during the episode The Earth King at the end of the episode when everyone's kind of saying goodbye. And this is actually from Toph's perspective. So here we go. (laughs) Toph often wondered if her friends forgot she could hear. Much better than the average person, in fact. Most of the time it was a blessing. Some of the time it was a curse. This time, it was somewhat amusing, an emotion she was grateful for on a rather bittersweet day. Twinkletoes and Sweetness stood just a few feet away from her, saying their goodbyes. She could sense Katara snuggling into Appa's fur, and then the soft tread of Aang's feet turning towards her. Katara, she heard him say, slightly unsure. I need to tell you something. I've been wanting to say it for a long time. She had known from the moment she met them that something more was going on between the two. Every time Katara so much as touched Aang's arm, she could feel his heart pulse faster. It was not as erratic as the people she could tell were lying. The only sensation she could moderately compare it to was the heartbeats of the adoring fangirls and guys who gathered around the boulder, hoping for an autograph or an engraving. But even then, it was different, akin to music, 
anxious and eager and surprisingly comforting in an unfamiliar way. Katara's reply came soon after. What is it, Aang? Katara, I... Sokka interrupted the two, flinging his arm around Aang's neck and affectionately rubbing the top of his head. Toph didn't need her powers to sense how annoyed Katara was. She would keep their secrets for now, unwilling to crack a joke about the love she sensed between them. It wasn't the same as teasing sweetness about her past crush on Jet or poking fun at Twinkletoe's expense. This was far more serious. Besides, she couldn't wait to feel how it all played out. I love it. That's so good. Aw, thank you. <laughs> I love the choice to make it from Toph's perspective. That's so smart. I love that. Because Toph can, as you say, she can sense these things that like other people can't. So I think that was a really good choice. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of like trying to get in her psyche a little bit because, you know, she takes digs at everybody. Mm. <laughs> and you know that she could probably tell there was something between Katara and Aang and just the fact that she never teases them about it. I was like, so what kind of makes that different to her? Like what makes that off limits to her? And I wanted to explore that a little bit. I love that idea. Yeah, because you're right. She teases Katara about Jet and, uh, you know, she's perfectly happy to make fun of her in other ways, but not that. It's almost like she feels like that is too special. Right, exactly. (laughs) I love that perspective and uh, that was a really good choice. Oh, thank you. I had fun writing it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad. Oh, I also loved the comparison of um, Aang's heartbeat to the fangirls around the boulder. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I was also thinking, like, you know, what could Toph compare this to? And there's not really, like, any kind of love between her parents. So she's probably never experienced that before, so. Aw, that was lovely, though. Thank you for sharing. Aw, thanks. (laughs) Okay, so should I share mine? Yes, please. <laughs> All right, so mine is also a relationship focus, <laughs> as is a surprise to nobody. And again, as is a surprise to nobody. You know what? I'm not going to say who it's from because I feel like it's very obvious as soon as I start this little thing. You will know. So I'm not even going to say what perspective it's from or where it's set because, again, it's obvious. Okay? <laughs> Here we go. Working as a security guard at Full Moon Bay required following a lot of rules. Suki didn't really have a problem with that. Though she was always proud to wear the silk threads and gold insignia of Kyoshi, she'd wear something else if she had to. The true bravery and honour of a warrior, after all, was in helping those in need. She knew her fellow warriors felt the same way, and she was happy to take things one day at a time, working alongside them. That didn't mean, however, that while spending long hours monitoring the lines for the ferry to Ba Sing Se, her mind didn't occasionally wander. But please, I'm the Avatar! The first time Suki heard the words, they startled her out of her thoughts, which had coincidentally been about the Avatar, or more specifically about who the Avatar had been travelling with. Her heartbeat sped up as she craned her neck a little, her eyes searching for a taller figure whose ponytail would surely be visible through the crowd. She smiled to herself as she thought about what he might make of her boss, and the choice words he'd probably have to say about her general crankiness. 
What Suki saw instead of the person she expected, however, was a fully grown man with a badly painted arrow on his head and no friends accompanying him. His costume wasn't bad, admittedly, and she had to give him props for trying. As the weeks went by, she either witnessed or heard about many avatars trying to get their tickets. She and her fellow Kyoshi warriors would share stories at the end of the day about the best avatars they'd seen, and then laugh as they remembered his visit to their home. It wouldn't make sense for Aang and his friends to be taking the ferry. They had Appa, after all. And yet there was a tiny part of Suki that expected to hear an accompanying sarcastic comment every time another avatar manifested himself. Suki, he's here! On one particular day, it was another Kyoshi warrior that brought her out of her thoughts while she was on duty. Who's here? she asked, concerned until she saw her companion's expression. Suki then heard a voice in the distance that she immediately recognised. Don't you know who this is? He's the Avatar! Go, her friend whispered. I'll cover for you. Suki grinned. Aww, cute. I like Suki's friends that are just like, yeah, girl, we know. We got you. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. I was just like, the Ki- all the Kyoshi warriors would know. Like, they totally know. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Even if she didn't say it, they'd still know. I wanted to give a little bit of a glimpse into Suki working before everyone showed up. I liked the part, too, about all of the avatars that they compare at the end of the day. <laughs> That's cute. Well, like, can you imagine? Because didn't um, uh, the lady say that they saw, like, 15 avatars? Yes. yes. Oh, and I just, yeah, that was how I got the idea for it. Because I was like, I bet the first time Suki heard that, she was like, oh, Aww. my God, it's Aang. And yeah. Sokka's going to be there. And then she was like, oh, no. Disappointment. <laughs> All right. Our drabbles are done. And the last thing that we have to do is to just talk a little bit about what we're planning on doing and seeing next season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so like I said before, this is my favorite season of the bunch. Probably the one I've seen the most, rewatched the most amount of times. So I'm very well versed (laughs) in this season. And there's a lot of character work going on I think so much more especially with Azula and Tylee and May they get a much bigger role in this season which is pretty exciting yeah we're gonna be figuring out what the heck Zuko is doing because like we left off on this very weird ominous note where he's joined forces with Azula again and what does that mean for him going back to the Fire Nation with her? Mm. And what are they feeling about the fact that they think that Aang is dead? That's a big thing in the next season. It's like legitimately everybody thinks he's dead. So that's rough, buddy. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess they didn't see Katara reviving him, so... Right, right. As far as they know, he's dead. Yeah, so Zuka's really the only one that's clued into the fact that she had the spirit water. Mm. Of course, the Day of Black Sun is coming as well, and they kind of have to figure out what they're going to do now because they don't have the forces of Bossing Se 
behind them anymore. Ba Sing Se has fallen. So they need to regroup and find out, like, how are we going to accomplish this invasion? So that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's, like, two things coming up here, which is the Day of Black Sun and also, like, this potential confrontation against Ozai because of the comet, right, that's coming. Right, yeah. Like, they definitely want to take him out before the comet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We have these two big events, like, lined up for season three, so I feel like it's going to be intense. Oh, yeah. But lots of fun as well. (laughs) Good, good. Well, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to getting to chat about these episodes and write more poems and um, do more things. We were looking ahead at, like, which episodes we're going to write poems about, and I'm very excited about my episodes. (laughs) She who has spoiled herself on the boiling rock. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. There is one more thing that we wanted to do before we wrap up today. Yeah, so I'm kind of burnt out. (laughs) As you probably know, this is kind of like almost a second job for me. I do have a full-time job. So we are going to be taking a little hiatus before book three. We're still going to record the episodes so that Rebecca will not have to wait an entire month to continue watching the show. I think that would just be absolutely torturous and not fair to her. So... (laughs) We will keep watching and recording, but I'm just going to take a month-long break from editing, and then we'll be back in April. Yes. I hope that you guys will not miss us too much. We will still be on Twitter, and maybe we can figure out some stuff that we can post on Twitter for people to discuss, Um, and we'll also be on Discord as well, so you'll still be able to hear from us on our discord and twitter and uh if you're looking for the link to our discord it is on our twitter page which we will plug at the end of this episode so uh it's you know real life sometimes gets in the way of these things and sometimes you need to take a little bit of a break (laughs) and poor rach does all the editing by herself so yeah and it's just been a lot the past few episodes because we have been going for like two hours so (laughs) i need a little break um okay so you can find us on twitter at ember sayers and we will still be posting stuff on there um i will post uh mvps once we get back to posting mvps and other stuff i don't know maybe we'll think of some fun things to do but you can interact with us on there yeah in the meantime during the break you can always email us at ember island sayers at gmail.com send any comments, questions, suggestions. We loved all of the questions you sent in for this episode. So thank you again for that. Yes. Um, And we are available on multiple platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, or even if you're not, we would really appreciate a rating and a review because this helps other people find the show. And we would really like to grow the podcast, um, especially going into season three. It would be really nice to have, you know, some more listeners and to come and join in and finish off this show with us and until next time i guess i will tell you a phrase which i will soon understand the meaning of 
but not quite yet. Stay flaming, everybody. Stay flaming and get ready for book three. <gasps> the hottest book. Time is an illusion and so is death.